0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message Last week, we began a month long campaign called Heart Four. We designed this series to increase our awareness of the heart of God. And this series is going to lead us into our serve day on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And you can still sign up for that. I know last week many people signed up, but you can go to the Resource Center today and you can sign up. Make sure that you sign up ahead of time because um, we have to you know, divvy out all of the responsibilities for that day, create all the teams and where they're going. Also, we are ordering uh, t-shirts, has already been mentioned. And so, we want everybody matching that day. It doesn't cost you anything. This comes out of the church budget. We do this every year. And so, you're going to get a matching t-shirt that says, hashtag heart for serving. That's our theme this year. And so, um, go back there and sign up after service. And also, while supplies last, there are these wristbands that have the DCC logo On them and hashtag heart for and we are wearing these throughout the month as a reminder to care about the things that God cares about and so that's what all of this is about. We do something like this every year, very similar, and this is this year's theme: heart for. And throughout this month, we want to focus on the things that move the heart of God. Last week, I spoke to you on the topic heart for the lost. Jesus has always been concerned for. With that which is lost. He's always had a heart for that. In Luke chapter 15, uh, he teaches these three parables about lost things. And it's the only place where you'll find back-to-back-to-back parables, one after another. And and Jesus uh, fills out the crowd and kind of realizes they're not getting it after the first one. They they didn't quite comprehend it after the second one. And so he goes into a third parable. and, And in all three of these parables, something of great value was missing. In the first parable, the sheep was important to the shepherd. Uh, In the second, the coin was valuable to the woman. And in the third, the prodigal son mattered to his father. And it's interesting that in all three of these stories, when what was lost was found, they all celebrated. In all three stories. And so last week we had one of those amazing moments here at Destiny Community Church where nine people gave their hearts to Christ and we celebrated, man. Isn't that fantastic that nine people found a relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen. You see, God's heart beats for humanity. And his heart breaks for those that are lost. And our salvation, it should cause us to seek those that are lost. And we should be heartbroken over those that are lost also there was a mother of a young eight-year-old boy that looked out the kitchen window and she noticed her son playing church with their cat and the cat was just quietly sitting on the back porch and the little boy was preaching away he had his little new testament bible in his hand and he's preaching away to the cat and so the mom just just looks and smiles and she went back about her housework About 10 minutes later, she heard this loud screeching and hissing, and she ran to the back door to see her son baptizing the cat in a tub of water. And she cried out. She said, son, stop that. That cat's afraid of water. And the boy looked up at her so innocently, and he said, well, he should have thought about that before he joined my church. We believe in full submersion. (laughs) I have never been one to push church membership. If you've been around here, you know that. It's not something that I get up and I talk about often, Um, although we have many covenant members of our church. um, But I've always believed that it is a natural part of a believer's growth process if they are in a church that teaches biblical truth. And so in due time, I believe that people will want to be in covenant with this local body of believers, and it's just a matter of just giving them time, continue to preach God's word, and and it has been successful for us, and that's kind of how we, we work our membership. But I want to be very clear about this today. Please understand me. Everybody in the room needs to hear my words. This sermon today is not about church membership at all. It's not about church membership. It's not even about church attendance, though that's all that some of you will probably hear. You're just going to hear me harping on church attendance, and that's all you're going to get out of this. But this is so much bigger than any of that. And, And I want you to also care about this because it's about the value and the worth of the local church. That's what today is about. It's about the value and the worth of the local church. We live in a culture that consistently devalues the local church Um, on the outside the the world calls us bigots for our beliefs And, and they judge us by these poor examples of christian extremists at one time in our nation it was frowned upon if people did not attend church it was something that was taboo but now church attendance has become the exception not the norm As a matter of fact, your very presence here today in this church, you are an exception in our nation now. But I'm not just talking about those on the outside looking in. Even on the inside of Christianity, there are people that they love Jesus, but they don't care too much for the church. You've met some of these people. you work with some of these people. Some of these people are your family members. They love Jesus... But they don't put a lot of trust in the church. They don't place much value on the local church. Some of these people, and and I get it, I understand it, but some of these people, they have been hurt by past church experiences. And I've been there. I understand what that feels like. I, I have absolutely uh, you know, been on that side of it before. I, I, I've been there where you don't feel like going back. But there was something at a young age that was instilled inside of me by my parents that made me to love the church. And so even through all the heartache and pain, listen, I was raised in a pastor's home. I've seen things that, that some of you will never have to see, and I praise God you won't get to see. Because uh, um, I I believe we created an atmosphere around here that is life-giving. And and I pray that we will never have to experience some of the hurt and pain that I've experienced in church. But still, through all of that, it was still something that I value. There are some people in here that they have never been taught the importance of church attendance in a believer's life. Therefore, they just don't know. For lack of a better word, it's just ignorance. When you don't know something, it's ignorance. And, And so they don't realize the value of that other people no one has ever taught them the value of serving in the local church and what that does for a believer's life still others are just not consistent because other things take priority in their lives and today no matter what the mentality may be i hope to change that before i go any deeper into today's teaching i want to clear up a common misconception I think it's important for us all to get on the same page with this because some will argue that the term the church or the body of Christ strictly refers to the universal church and not the local church. And although I agree that the body of Christ is made up of all worldwide uh, born again believers, I also know that the universal church and the local church are not mutually exclusive. It's both and not either or. They are both included. When the, when the Word of God speaks to the church, it is speaking both to the universal church and it is also speaking to the local church. So when you read statements and you read challenges in your Bible to the church, please know that it applies to both the local and the universal church. You must recognize that the majority of the New Testament books, they are letters that were written about and to local churches. The New Testament addresses the local church in Rome, the local church in Corinth, the local church in Galatia, the local church in Ephesus, the local church in Philippi, the local church in Colossae, and the local church in Thessalonica. But also when you get over to the book of Revelation, John writes and Jesus personally speaks to seven local church bodies just like us. He looks at seven local church bodies and he speaks directly to them. He speaks to the church in Ephesus and and he tells them that they have forsaken their first love. He speaks to the church in Smyrna and and says says that they would suffer persecution. He speaks to the church in in Pergamum and he tells them that they need to repent. He speaks to to the church in Thyatira, and he tells them and warns them about a false prophetess that is in their church. He speaks to the church in Sardis, and he tells them, you have fallen asleep. He speaks to the church in Philadelphia, and he tells them that you have endured patiently. And then he speaks to the church in Laodicea, and he tells them that they have a lukewarm faith. And actually what he tells them is that they make God sick on his stomach because of their lukewarm faith. That that God will spew you from his mouth. This is tough. Tough words sometimes. But you see, Jesus had a lot invested in these local churches, so he addresses his concerns with each of them. Because how many of you know, when you've got a lot invested in something, it's easier for you to speak into that person's life. I've got a lot invested into my kids, and so therefore if I need to bring them under correction, ain't nobody in this church and nobody in this government going to tell me that I can't speak to my kids the way I need to speak to my kids. I knew, I knew somebody. (laughs) Many times the universal church is referred to in the New Testament often in letters written to a local church body. This means that God speaks first to the local church and through that local church informs the worldwide church. The Bible is very clear that we are to be connected with a local body of believers. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 tells us, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He warns us, don't neglect this, as some people are already doing. And he says, listen, the day of the Lord is coming near. The return of Christ is getting closer. And we need to be more plugged into the body of Christ than ever before the closer that day comes. The Bible warns us not to to neglect this important biblical practice. And you see, it's not just about fellowship with one another, though it is about fellowship with one another. It's not just about that. That's what some people think they're missing out on. Well, I really don't like talking, and I really don't like being around people, so therefore, I'm not going to plug into a local church body. And they make it all about the fellowship. It's not just about fellowship with one another. There's a responsibility that we have as a body of believers to encourage one another is, is what Hebrews 10 and 25 tells us. That we must encourage one another. Let me show you how this worked in my life this week. Many of you know that we've been battling terrible disease of Alzheimer's with my father. And this week, Dad had to go into the hospital, and, and it has just been a trying week. Mentally, physically, it's just been a trying week. And Friday evening, I was leaving the house, and I was, I was heading back to the hospital to spend the night with Dad. With him being an Alzheimer's patient, one of us, we have to be there at all times. And so I was going back, and I pulled into our coffee shop And as I'm pulling in, there's a couple from our church and they rolled down their window and they were talking to me and asking me how things are going and how is dad and that kind of stuff. And no doubt they could look at me and they could tell that, that I was a little distraught and upset about what was happening. People that are part of our local church and have been for years and they know me, they know their pastor. They can tell when something is bothering him and I'll never forget this. When the man driving looked out his window into my window and he said, I love you, bro. It was the encouragement that I needed to go and spend one more night in the hospital. And that's what God's word calls us to do. As a body of believers, as a local church, we are here to encourage one another And all the more as you see the day drawing near, as it gets closer and closer, we need to be encouraging one another. But you see, it's not just about fellowship and it's not just about encouragement. There is a responsibility also to serve each other within the church. This is the part that so many people neglect. Now, I praise God that we here at DCC, we have a large number of volunteers. That's why we do a volunteer appreciation banquet, because there's so many people that we need to thank. And, And so we are blessed with a large number of volunteers, but there's a responsibility to serve each other within the church. Three pastors, they got together for coffee one day, and they found out that all of their churches had a bat infestation problem. And so the first one said, he said, I got so mad. He said, I took a shotgun and I fired it at them. He said, I made holes all in the ceiling of this church and I didn't hit one of those bats. The second one said, he said, I tried trapping them alive. And then I drove 50 miles outside of town and released them and they beat me back to the church. (laughs) The third pastor looked at him. He says, I haven't had any more problems. And these other two pastors, amazed at his results, they said, what did you do? And he said, it was simple. I baptized them, and then I asked them to serve, and I haven't seen them since. (laughs) 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. That means everybody in this room has a gift. You may not know it yet, but you have a gift. And if you're having a hard time figuring that out, we've got a spiritual gifts test that we'll give you. Come on by the office. We'll let you fill it out, and it will show you where you are gifted to serve. Everybody in this church, you have a gifting. And you are called upon, mandated upon, to serve each other within this local church. Galatians 6 and 10 says, so as we have opportunity let us do good to everyone but don't miss this let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith do good to everybody but you pay close attention to those brothers and sisters that you are in covenant with in your local church body serving your brothers and sisters in christ it's a commitment to the church Martin Luther once said, apart from the church, salvation is impossible. It wasn't that he believed that the church provided salvation. He understood that only Jesus saves. But he believed that the saved, uh, that they can only fulfill what it means to be a Christian uh, within the walls of the local church. That serving your brothers and your sisters in Christ becomes the indispensable mark of salvation. God Chose to use an institution to describe the relationship that Christ has with the church He chose the institution of marriage, and I know what some of you are thinking You're like man my marriage is anything but made in heaven But yet When God chose to describe the relationship of Jesus and the church He chooses the institution of marriage and calls the body of Christ the bride. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 these are very well-known verses if you've gone through any marriage counseling premarital counseling if you've sit through very many uh, uh, Marriage, you know sermons or series you've probably heard these verses preached from before but today I want to just kind of turn them upside down and, and I want us to get to the heart of what's being said and I want you to listen to how Paul addressed the local church in Ephesus remember this now he is writing to a local church body, just like this one, in Ephesus. He is writing to them. And so I want us to look at this as he is speaking to us, okay? Like he is writing this, speaking to the church at at DCC. That's where he's at, okay? Here we go. Uh, We're going to start reading at verse 19, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. How many of you know we just did that, didn't we? We just just finished a fantastic worship service, and and we were able to sing hymns and songs. and, And it's one of those things that you have to do as a believer. It's so important for us. It gets our minds and our hearts in the right place to hear God's word. He says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now hold on just a moment, because this is what messes some of you up. You know, in this day and age, we've got a problem with accountability. You know that, right? Don't hold me accountable. I'm a grown man. Don't you hold me accountable. I'm a grown woman. Don't you hold me accountable. We may not say it, but here's how it happens in the church. Anybody held accountable, all all of a sudden, if they don't like that, if it rubs them the wrong way, they just disappear. I, I didn't expect a lot of amens today. I really didn't. This is stepping on toes. Let this be conviction. It's not condemning. Condemning is bad. Conviction is good. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. God's growing us. He's changing us. And if you've got a problem with accountability, then you've got a problem with Christ. If you've got a problem, listen, everybody in this room, everybody is accountable to somebody. I'm accountable. I know, and and for lack of a better word, I know that that I am the leader. I'm the head of this local church. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, but this local body, I know that I'm in, in, in charge ultimately. But here's the thing. Did you know I'm accountable? I'm accountable to our staff. I'm accountable to our administrative council. Did you know I'm accountable to you? There's a responsibility for me to submit to you because Paul just said it Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ That means I need to submit to you. You need to submit to me You need to submit to the person sitting across the aisle from you There is a mutual submission that takes place in the body of Christ and it, and it creates accountability for us Don't run from accountability Grasp it. It's part of God's design for the body of Christ and and Paul says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and and then verse 22 is where we usually pick it up and and here's what he's gonna say But but listen, we're gonna turn this around watch Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church his body and is himself its Savior Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Listen to this. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I want you to really focus on this because Paul's wanting you to focus on this. This is something that Paul's going to clear up in just a moment. But this is one of the key lines in this letter that he's writing. He says... For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now listen, here's where Paul clears it all up, verse 32. Don't miss it. This mystery is profound. He's saying, what I'm explaining to you, I know that this doesn't make sense to you. This, this is profound. This mystery is profound. But listen to what he says. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now listen, I believe we can get a lot of good stuff right here about marriage. And I think we need to model our marriages after this. I, I think there's so much to be taught here. And I don't have time to get into all that. But, but Paul says this is a profound mystery. And I am saying, I'm clearing this up for you. I am talking to you about Christ and the church. And then he follows up with, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, the Bible is very plain here. Paul is very plain when he writes this. Jesus loves the church like a husband is supposed to love a wife. Jesus has a heart for the church. He loves her. Throughout God's word, it is repeatedly described as a divine romance that takes place. That Jesus loved the church so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own will and desires and that he was willing to go to the extreme and die for her. That's how much he loves the church. And because Christ died for the church, we should at least live for it. if he cared so much about the church that he's willing to die for it, why won't we live for it? Why won't we make it such a priority in our lives that we have to be connected to it? Let me ask you something. Living for the church means that you're excited about it. When was the last time that you were actually excited to go to church? When did you wake up on that Sunday morning and go, man, I can't wait to get there today. Listen to me. If you can't get excited about coming to DCC, there's something wrong with your exciter. (laughs) I'm not tooting my own horn. That's not it. Man, we have so many volunteers around this place that make this thing happen. We have wonderful child care. Wonderful child care. For some of you, you just need a break from your babies. Go put them in child care and get in here. We have a wonderful children's ministry where kids are learning about Jesus Christ. We have a wonderful praise team and band that they lead us into the presence of God each and every week. And you've got one of the best pastors on the planet. I contemplated what I was going to do if you didn't clap. And I was going to tag Andrew and I was just going to sit down and sulk for a little while. Let him finish up. In Psalm 122 and verse 1, David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad, I was excited. I couldn't wait to get there because it's there in the house of the Lord that somehow, someway, my life is going to be transformed. You see, when you get to that level of excitement, when you come into this room each and every week expecting something to happen, That's when lives are really changed. That's when you're pulling up to the table to eat. You want me to spoon feed you sometimes, but sometimes you need to put forth a little bit of effort and show up here ready to worship, ready to receive from God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You see, we cannot and we should not treat church so nonchalantly We should be in love with the church because he is in love with the church. This is something that he cares about deeply, so much so that he would die for it. But where has the passion gone? Where is it? Where is our heart for the church? In my 18 years of full-time ministry, I have heard many excuses for why people don't attend church regularly or they have stopped attending church. And so I came across these top 10 excuses why Christians don't attend sporting events. And I thought that I would share them with you. Top 10 excuses why Christians don't attend sporting events. Number 10, the coach never came to visit me. Number nine, Every time I went to the game, they asked for money. (laughs) Number eight, the people sitting in my row didn't seem very friendly. Number seven, the referees made a decision that I didn't agree with. Number six, I was sitting with hypocrites. They only came to see what colors others were wearing. Remember, these are 10 excuses why Christians don't attend sporting events. Number five, some games went into overtime, and I was late getting home. Number four, I love this one right here. The band played some songs I had never heard before. (laughs) That's why Christians don't attend sporting events, right? Number three, the games are scheduled on my day off. Number two, My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. And the number one excuse why Christians don't attend sporting events, I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what team they will like later. (laughs) Sounds ridiculous, right? Parents, you better get your kids to church. You better stop using that as a pitiful excuse. He loves the local church. And they are deciding right now who they will serve later. You better have some influence over that. My son started liking basketball. There was not a choice. He was going to be a Boston Celtic fan, whether he liked it (laughs) or not. And even though he varies a little bit now, and he, he likes to watch the Thunder he knows better. Don't you talk bad about the Celtic son. Some of you, you better have some influence over who your children serve and you better get them to church. This is the place where covenant is. This is the place where, where it matters. This is the place that affects their eternity. Make it a priority for your home. We must quit allowing petty excuses to keep us away from loving the church. Second Corinthians 11 verses one through three, Paul writes, he says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. I love how he says that. In other words, Paul is is warning us. He's like, get ready because here comes some crazy talk. It's about to happen. And And then he says this, for I feel a divine jealousy for you Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Listen, I've been there. I I, I remember that moment when I realized, when, when the revelation came to me, that I will spend my entire career preparing a bride for another man. I don't get to marry you. You're not the bride of Rocky. You're the bride of Christ. And it was one of the most liberating moments for me as a pastor when I realized You belong to him, and I get to spend my life, my ministry, helping prepare the body of Christ for her husband, for the bridegroom, and Paul says that. He says, for I have this divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Don't miss that, as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul is warning us that the church needs to be valued and treated as special. That the church needs to be up on a pedestal in our lives because Christ put the church on a pedestal. It mattered to Christ. It was valuable to Christ, so much so that he would die for it. Paul warns us, treat her as special. Value her and be devoted to her. The day that I asked Roger Busker if I could marry his daughter, was the day that my love and devotion for Mandy took on a new level of responsibility. You see, it was that day that I decided in my heart that my life was going to look different. There was this independence about me that was no longer going to be there. It's kind of like that from 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 every moment on or from that moment on every decision that I made in life was going to revolve around her I Could no longer just just buy a truck without consulting her It wasn't my decision anymore. It was our decision. Some of you are, are looking at me so strange That's a problem with your marriage right there and we're not even going to take up an extra offering for that counseling, but you need to get that fixed. (laughs) I could not go and do as I please any longer. I was devoted to her. I Now had to consider her thoughts and feelings on every decision that I made every action that I performed It affected not just me, but the two of us I'm preaching to some of you right now and though this is not a sermon on marriage You should know this you cannot treat your spouse like a five-dollar prostitute and then claim that you love him or her She's not there just when it's convenient for you He's not there just when you need to feel better about yourself you want a successful marriage you must invest in that marriage Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 21 for where your treasure is there your heart will be also in other words your heart follows whatever you invest in and when you invest in something you will eventually fall in love with that that's why if a man is investing in another woman more than he's investing in his spouse eventually he's gonna love her more than he loves his spouse Where your treasure is, where your investment is, your heart eventually follows. If you invest in your job, then you will love your job. If you invest in sports, you will love sports. If you invest in real estate, you will love real estate. If you invest in your spouse, you will love your spouse. And if you invest in your church, then you will love your church. I want you to think about it. How many times have we seen people that for a season, they are in love with the church. I mean, the church can do no wrong. The the church, uh, I mean, it it, it surrounds them when they come to Christ and they love it, they tweet about it, They, they Facebook post about it. They love the church and for a season, it is everything to them. But then all of a sudden, they just seemingly disappear. What changed? I promise you the church didn't change. What happened was they stopped investing their time, their talent and their treasure in the church. Because when you stop investing your time your talent and your treasure in the church, you will eventually not love the church anymore This is not a stewardship message. I don't want you to think this is about money Jesus said it Where your treasure is your heart follows He was willing to invest in the church so much so that he would die for the church you can't treat the church like a five dollar prostitute and claim that you love her either the church is not there just for your convenience too many people they want to show the church attention when the timing is right with their schedule or when they need to feel a little bit better about themselves maybe they're going through a rough spot in their life and so maybe if I come sit and hear Pastor Rocky preach some happiness into me that's not it You've got the wrong idea of what the church. The church, we will go through good times and bad times together. We will go through, through moments of drought, and we will go through moments of harvest. We will go through whatever we have to go through together. But we are the body of Christ. And it matters to him. The church matters to him. He has a heart for the church. And what the church in America needs is we need commitment not people that will easily give up on each other not people that will write each other off because we disagree we need people who are willing to serve each other because god's word tells us that the church serves one another christ loved the church and gave himself up for her we too should be so in love with the church and willing to to serve the church and serve our brothers and, christ, and brothers and sisters in christ In closing, I want to share something with you that happens in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus has this conversation with his disciples and and they're in this region of of Caesarea Philippi and and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? What are people, what's the talk out on the street? What what are they saying? Who who do they think that I am? The disciples answer him and they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets but man Jesus has a way of bringing you close to home because he says this but who do you say that I am And Simon Peter replied you are the Christ the son of the living God man there is not a better answer in that conversation, everybody else just kind of went, hmm. Simon Peter got it right. And because he got it right, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then listen to this, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. It's, it's one of the strange phenomenons of Christianity to me. I'll never understand it. As flawed as we are, Jesus looks at Simon Peter and he says, Upon you... You see, he changes his name to Peter, which means rock. And he says, Upon you, upon human beings, I am going to create the body of Christ... Out of human beings, flawed individuals that mess up more than they get it right. And I'm going to put you people together. And together you're going to make up the church. And it's upon this rock, Peter, that I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he looks at us 2,000 years later and he makes the same statement to us. Upon flawed individuals, I am going to put you together and you are going to make up the body of Christ. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against Destiny Community Church. He goes on and he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. tells us that there is going to be strength in our numbers that together as the body of Christ we will be powerful because we find refuge within this body when we first planted this church just just a couple of months afterwards it was this body, though we were few in number, it was this body that surrounded me and surrounded my wife whenever my grandmother and her grandmother passed away very uh, right around the same time. And we found strength from the local church. It was, it was a local church that surrounded us when Mandy had cancer. Couldn't have made it through it without him. There's similar stories all throughout this room. Just this past week, I watched as our church surrounded someone who was mourning the loss of a mother. I watched people cook. I watched people care. It's the way he designed us. That we're better together. That we're better when we realize we belong within a local church body. When we realize that there is strength in our numbers. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person for service times and directions log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.